You're listening to the Jewel City Podcast. And in this podcast, we're going to be listening in on the messages from the Maximize Manhood Men's Conference. In this session, we'll hear from Christian Men's Network's Paul Cole. When I say, what's his name? You say, Jesus. What's his name? Jesus. Man, I can't hear you. What's his name? Jesus. Come on, what's his name? Jesus. Hit the guy next to you and say, it's all about Jesus. Come on, it's all about Jesus. It's a men's event. Women aren't here. We're just here as men. Not here to impress anybody, right? Amen. All right we're here to be impressed by the power of God. Amen. When the women are here, we're a little different. We're just a little different. We're just standing a little different. Right? Ladies around, we stand a little different. Act a little different. Guy hits you, you flex. <laughs> just here as men. Not here to impress anybody. In fact, just deal with it right now. Just turn to the guy next to you and look at him and go, dude, I am not impressed. Just, just, <laughs> and you owe me 20 bucks. You still owe me 20 bucks. <laughs> hey, how many, uh, how many of us would agree with this statement that the level of life I'm now living is not at the full capacity of my life? How many of us feel like there's something more? How many of us feel like there's, there's, there's this next place that I could go to? Acts 2.17, Trey's going to put it on the screen. Acts 2.17 is something I've been, this year in 2023, really letting it come alive in my heart. I want to read it out loud and together because it's something that God says. Not CNN, not Fox, not anybody else, not 24-hour channel, not government. God said, here's what the last days are going to be like world just puts all this negativity on us and puts this fear in us and tries to manipulate culture by, by creating chaos. Colossians 1.17 says the center of all things is Jesus Christ. Center of all things. So today we center our lives as men in Jesus Christ. But here's what God said. In fact, when he had the writer write it, he said, uh, just tell him I said this. All right, you guys got this? Ready, we're gonna read it out loud and together. Everybody good? All right, here we go. Ready, go. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. In the last days, who said it? Come on, who said it? God said it. What did he say I will do? I will pour out my spirit. Now, I, I live in Texas, grew up on the West Coast, live in Texas. And this scripture in the Texas version is, I will pour out my spirit on all y'all. Because that's the plural of y'all, right? All y'all. I will pour out my spirit on who? All y'all, everybody. Hit the guy next to you. Say, he's talking about you too. Talking about you too. I will pour out my spirit on all people. Now it says your sons and daughters will prophesy. Now prophesy, Ezekiel 37, there's a, there's a picture of a man who speaks life. And God said, prophesy over these dead bones. And to prophesy doesn't mean the gift of prophecy. It means to speak life. It says, it says that the fathers, come on somebody, the fathers will raise up young men and women, the sons and daughters, who will speak life into the culture. 
So I, I, I uh, appreciate the concept of uh, postmodern because I, I, I believe that's where we're at, throwing off constituted authority. But I don't think we're post-Christian in this nation. I think we're pre-Christian. I think the greatest churches are yet to be built. I think the greatest sermons have yet to been preached. I think the greatest renewal and revivals that ever happened in America are yet to happen. Yeah. It didn't just happen in the past. We're not looking back. We're looking forward. Why? Because God's raising up a group of men like the men in this room who are going to speak life into the next generation. Amen? Come on, somebody. Go with me here. It says your young men will see visions. Watch this. Watch this. Let me just break this down just a bit. Young men will see visions. Now, and old men will dream dreams. This is great. When we think of a young man, do we think of him as a visionary or a dreamer? Usually a dreamer, right, Pastor Ann? Usually think of young men as dreamers and um, older men, more mature men, as we like to say, a few more miles on us, as visionaries. And God says, when I pour out my spirit, your young men will become visionaries and older men will get new dreams. Come on. So it says your, your old men will dream dreams. God's, God's going to put a dream in your heart, and, and we're going to talk about it in just a moment. You're going to feel, well, I'm not really the right guy or qualified for this. But God has placed you here for a specific reason and purpose this morning. To be filled with his anointing and spirit, but not just for here. Because, see, we arrived at this remarkable building. It's not the church. You're the church. And I know pastor preaches this. When, when we leave this place, we leave as the church to be the church in culture. Amen? So when we raise up strong men and build strong families and strong churches, we change the culture in which we're in. Amen? So I want us to pray for each other. We arrive sometimes in these events, and we got stuff, and we got things going on, and things we're thinking about already going to do this afternoon, you know, if the speakers don't go too long. Cody got ahead of us. He just went out. I'm not going to get out this afternoon. I don't know. He went out this morning, Turkey, honey, right? And uh, so what I want to do right now, so sometimes we, we kind of think about, we get myopic, we get centered. And I want us to pray for the man next to us right now. I mean, God knows his stuff. We may not know his story, but God does. And I want you to do this. I want you to put your hand on the shoulder of a man next to you. <laughs> I don't do the hand thing, you know. Sorry, it's just a men's thing. Just put your, you know, put your hand on the shoulder of that guy. And, and you may never have prayed out loud before. It's okay. Here's what I want you to do is pray blessing on him. Say, God, I don't know this man's story, but you do. And I know you, you want to bless his family, bless his business. I pray for him. So let's just do this for about a minute out loud as men, all right? Just begin to pray for that man. Father, I pray for the brother whose shoulder I touch. I pray the power of God over him. I pray anointing. I pray, Father, wisdom, James 1, 5. I pray wisdom over him that he might be able to unravel the things that are knotted in his life. I pray blessing over him. I pray raises and promotions. I pray new ideas and businesses and new clients. And I pray expansion of his life. Come on. Come on, pray out loud like men. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Father, we thank you for your anointing, your power, your strength, your love, your grace, your mercy to us as men. 
pray health. Pray for his family. Come on, 30 more seconds. Just 30 seconds, hit it. Jesus, Jesus. Another 20 seconds. Come on, 15 seconds, hit it strong. Father, we thank you for this day. We bless this house, bless every man in this place. I thank you for the pastors and those leaders here in this room who've laid down their lives for the flock. I thank you, Lord, for this day, and we pray blessing on every single man. Be filled with the anointing and power of your Holy Spirit to the glory of God. In the name of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we expect to receive those things for which we have prayed. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah. Yeah, come on. What's his name? Come on, what's his name? What's his name? Turn around about 10 guys, give him a high five, and just tell him it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Thanks, Adam. Woo! Maybe seated, maybe seated. And a worship team killed it. Would you give a hand for the worship team? They did fantastic for these musicians. And uh, Pastor Dave up there on the lead guitar, you know, just crushing it like the Christian Eric Clapton thing going, you know. It's like, uh, it's awesome. So <laughs> it's not that old. But anyway, it's, it's uh, fantastic and a great morning. And uh, we got something, I believe the Lord's got something for you. And, and I believe it's already begun. In fact, I, think, I believe it began before you got here. Amen? Uh, God didn't just kind of arrive because the music was good, right? He was here before we got here. He's just right there every single day. So I want to thank uh, Dr. Dino you know, for putting this together, and Pastor Aaron and, and Jim with the men's ministry here, and, and all, all the men who have come from different places. But also, as I stand behind this sacred desk, I want to honor the, the shepherd of this house because I stand here under his authority and uh, uh, blessed to be here and minister today. But I wanted to thank uh, Pastor Robert Shingleton. Would you give him a great hand for what the Lord's done here in this place, brother? Um, you know, you know the, the heart of a pastor when you see the heart of a church and uh, see the people, because the DNA of the kingdom always flows from the DNA of the king. That's why the kingdom of heaven has the DNA of our father in it. That's why if you're a father, your house has your DNA in it. And I don't mean just physically, I mean spiritually. And you can see, I see Pastor Robert when I walked in and saw the, everything in order and the excellence and the, the little things, everything set right and uh, just done exactly right. And the little things in the restroom where you put your hand under it and the towel's supposed to come out. You know that one? You know what I'm talking about, the paper towel thing? And you're trying to get three of them, and you're going like that, you know? Anyway, it's just my little deal. I'll show you a photo of USS San Pedro. This is World War II, Battle of Lady Gulf. Largest naval battle in world history there in the Philippine archipelago. And this is 1944 in October. USS San Pedro, 304 feet long frigate, uh, armed with anti-aircraft weapons, and it was a it, was, uh, it would go along with the destroyer, and it would, it would act as an outer ring of protection. 
and uh, 200 men on this vessel. And uh, USS San Pedro is there, over 300 ships, over 200,000 men. October 25th, and it's the most pivotal, as I mentioned, the largest naval battle in world history, one of the most pivotal battles in World War II. On October the 25th, as the Japanese Imperial Fleet came against the U.S. fleet and the Allies, on October 25th, they unleashed the kamikazes. Most of us know that, a man who was committed to give his life by flying an airplane into a ship loaded with explosives. That thing, as they unleashed it, over 3,000 men died that day. The next afternoon, on a Thursday afternoon, there was a young man standing on the deck of that ship, the USS San Pedro. Kamikaze headed right for him, and as he looked at certain death, he cried out and he said, Dear God, if you save my life, I'll serve you the rest of my days. That kamikaze unexpectedly went right over his head, landed behind the ship and blew up. Saved his life. Four months later, that young man landed in San Diego. The war began to wind down, and uh, he promptly forgot that prayer. Well, turn turn somebody next to you and go, just like you. You know how we commit to things and then things change. And... uh, it was interesting because his, his mom had prayed for him while he was in the military and, and in the Coast Guard. And one day he's telling a friend, he told him that story about the kamikaze flying right over him. Told him. And she overheard the story and she said, well, you know, when was that? And he began to tell when it was on that Thursday afternoon. Well, of course, that's 12 hours different time zone in, in California where his mom lived and she begin to correlate the time and realize that was when God had spoken to her, woken her up and said, pray for your son. That exact moment. He said, wow, that's, that's pretty amazing. Four years later, he is invited, he's in construction, invited by his foreman to attend a church service in Oceanside, California on a Sunday night. His mom hears about it, grabs her sister, gets in a car, drives down to Oceanside, parks about half mile down the road, Gets one in the front seat, one in the back seat, and they just begin to pray for her son. That night, that young man gave his life to Jesus Christ. And 34 years later, in a Holiday Inn in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, over a seven-day period, that young man wrote a book called Maximize Manhood. And that man was my dad. And that young man said this. He said, he said I tried to outrun God but I couldn't outrun my mother's prayers. Yeah, great testimony of the grace of God in a man's life. And so that's marked my life, even though I was in business most of my life, and now here I am picking up about five years after my father passed away 20 years ago, and now 28 million men have read this little book around the world because a mom prayed. I want to do something right now, just as we start. I was, I was praying over this last night and early this morning, this, this has hit me. There's probably some men here, and your son or your daughter have walked away from Christ. And, uh, you know, as a dad, now I'm a grandpa. That, that stuff hurts, doesn't it? You know, it, it, you feel it. You feel that tension of that. I want to pray for you right now. And uh, let's all stand up. Let's just do this together. If you're a man here today and 
your dad or grandfather, you've got a son or daughter that has walked away from Christ, and, and uh, we want to pray with you. Just raise your hand right now. Raise your hand if you're one of those. Okay, look around. Keep your hand up. Look around. Find a man who's got his hand up. Just move out, guys, everybody else. Find a man who's got his hand up. Put your hand on your shoulder, and we're going to pray for each other. Come on, just move around. Keep your hand up if we're praying for you. Keep your hand up. We're going to do this as men. Do it together. Do it as brothers. Pray for your son. Pray for your daughter. Because God has never given up on your son. And God knows where your daughter is. C.S. Lewis says he's the hound of heaven. He's never stopped loving your daughter. Never stopped loving your son. Father, in the name of Jesus. Come on, pray out loud for this, brother. Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus. In the same way that my grandmother prayed for my dad. And four years after he prayed that prayer in the deck of that ship, you met him in a little four-square church in Oceanside, California. Father, we pray for that son right now. We pray for that daughter right now. Father, I thank you right now that you are there with him. You are protection over her. Father, we pray the anointing and power of your Holy Spirit right now in Jesus' name over that son and daughter, that grandchild. And Father, we thank you that your anointing is bringing somebody across their path. Somewhere, someplace, they'll be in a church tomorrow or next week. Father, somebody at the job site, somebody at work, somebody in the grocery store, somebody at Target, wherever it may be, will speak a word that brings life in the same way you said in Acts 2.17. Prophesy, speak life. And I thank you for it now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Give that brother a hug or a handshake or something and maybe seated. I, uh, this is what we do. This is what we do. And what God's put on uh, a mission, gave me a, a mission uh, to speak into the hearts of men and to help uh, pastors, uh, disciple men around the world. Let me show you a picture of my family. Uh, let's put that up, Trey. This is my family. Uh, just, they all want to, you know, uh, so greetings from my family and from men around the world. And so I'm Papa to a bunch of these kids and then three who aren't in the photo. But that's my beautiful wife. We've been married. We're in our 52nd year of marriage. Come on, somebody. Yeah, so uh, somebody said, well, what's, your, uh, what's the scripture? What's the scripture that you guys predicated the marriage on? I said, I oh, mean, scripture, huh? I think it's iron sharpens iron. I think that's uh, so it works. I think that's the one that speaks. So, uh, thanks, Trey. And uh, so, can I tell you the joke my wife doesn't like? Yeah. Yeah. These guys go, yeah, come on. <laughs> it's not me that's going to be in trouble. And uh, so, okay, okay. So, the, the man's in his kitchen. It's early in the morning. And he's crying. He says, <laughs> his wife comes out and says, wow, what's wrong? He says, you remember when we were dating? You remember your dad caught us in the back seat of my car? Yeah. You remember your dad was the sheriff? Yeah, that was really bad. Goes, you remember what your dad said to me? Your dad said to me, son, you ought to marry my daughter. Or you're going to prison for 10 years. She says, yeah. He goes, I would have been out today. <laughs> no, no, don't clap, don't clap. Clap. Wife's gonna find out you clap. <laughs> Shoot. I told that 
Pastor Robert, I told that with, like, we're out with couples, right? And I had heard that, and, and uh, there's four of us in another couple. And uh, I told that. I thought it was hilarious. And then she laughed for three seconds. And then I just, wham, got hit. She goes, that's not funny. And then the guy with us, Glenn, he's laughing. And, and his wife turns to him, and Glenn goes, well, he's the one that told it. Like, you know how we are as friends. Like, he told it. It's not me. So... I want to go through, uh, I want to hit something that, that seems to uh, be pervasive in our culture with this fear and the things that the enemies put on us, and we're living, all of us, in sort of a PTSD out of the COVID deal and, and uh, what's happened over the last few years. And, and there's, this, there's this thing in us of things that have happened to us in life or things we've done that we have a tendency to qualify our lives as followers of Christ or in the work that we feel God's called us to. And we have a tendency based on our past, things that have happened to us, things we did, and we begin to qualify and frame our lives based on those references. And the Word of God has, has come into us and told us we're more than conquerors. And I go, yeah, I'm more than a conqueror, but... And what we begin to do is we begin to disqualify ourselves based on the fact of things that have happened or things we've done. And so we pull back from those things that God's called us to. See, everything that's in the natural realm is subject to the Word of God. And everything that's supernatural is what God has spoken. Those things have been spoken. It's kind of like this building was was a vision, a dream. It was unseen, and then it became seen. And so what happens is God has spoken into your life, Ephesians 2.10. Before you were born, God says, you're my masterpiece. I created you for good works from before you were ever born. Right? We read these things. It's in us as followers of Christ. The Bible says Christ in us. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. And yet we begin to frame that based on the external. And so we begin to look at the things we see and frame ourselves based on that rather than what God said. And so the the tension, if you will, is that we have those things that we know we should do or be. They're in the unseen. They're in that vision. They're in that dream place. And and the work that we have as men is to, and, and the thing that pastors and leaders do for us is help us pull from the unseen into the seen those things that God's called us to. And most of us get get frustrated in, tr- in the pulling from the unseen to the seen. And I want to speak to that a little bit this morning and, and frame that. And I, I want to give you my, I got one point, I got two stories, one point. Okay? Maybe that first story, is a, maybe there's three stories and one point. And the point is, you are not disqualified. Amen. You are not disqualified. Just hit the guy next to you and say he's talking to you. Just hit the guy next to you, he's talking to you. You are not disqualified. And I want to talk about two losers, two big-time losers. And I thought this, this message last night from Pastor Dave, I, I just really resonated that a man stood up, you know, called of God, Asa, great word, and uh, stood up in courage. And I want to speak that into us and, and if you will, camp on that stream of uh, two losers who were just jacked-up guys who God ended up using to change the history of the world. And the first one's a, a little book that's hard to find. It's in the, it's in the Old Testament. Or you could find it uh, under the J's. It's Jonah. And uh, 
or in your phone, you can just flip to it. But Jonah, it's, it's this quick story. Just, he's the guy, if you don't know this story, he's the man who got swallowed by a fish. Everybody know this story? Pretty much. Guy gets swallowed by a fish. And the back story is he's a prophet. He's, he's got one job. I love those memes. You just have one job. You know, the stairs that go into nothing. You know, you ever seen those pictures? And you, got, you had one job. And uh, he had one job, and his job is to speak what God tells him. He tells the people. He's a prophet. And so God comes to him and says, okay, Jonah, I want you to go to this place called Nineveh. It's a real city. You can look it up later. You can look it up, and you find out it's one of the, at, at that particular time in culture, it's the, the wealthiest city in the world. About 150 years, this thing, they basically ruled the seas. It's like 150,000 pirates in a city that's walled with huge walls, and they're, and they're not Jewish, they're Gentile, pagan. And, and God tells Jonah, who's only been speaking to the Jewish people, he says, hey, I want you to go to Nineveh and tell them that if they'll turn to me, I won't destroy their city. Now, what's Jonah's job? He's got one job. God tells him what to say, and he just tells the people, right? He's got one job. And, and this, now, think about this for a second. This, is, this man's talking directly to God. How many of us sometimes feel like, man, if I just had an audible voice, I'd be golden? Anybody ever, anybody, Lord, I just want to get, if I could just hear. Now, this guy does this all the time. And God speaks to him and says, hey, go to Nineveh and do this. And Jonah looks at him and goes, yeah, I don't think that's a good idea. <laughs> now, if you were God, what would you do? Come on. Yeah, yeah like, yeah. toast, next. God tells Jonah that, and Jonah says, yeah, I don't think it's a good idea. So now Jonah runs from God. It's just hilarious, like, as if, right? How many of us, I've got a friend uh, who, who said this. He said, you know, the whole seeker church thing. Uh, he said, you know, most men are not seekers. They're runners. Most men are running. And Jonah runs, and he gets on a boat going the opposite way of Nineveh. A storm comes up, and, and he tells the guys on the boat, finally, it's so bad, even the seamen, the guys who are, who are professionals, they say, man, we're going to die. And he goes, that's my fault. It's my bad. And if you throw me overboard, the storm will stop. How fast are you throwing that guy overboard? <laughs> like, dude, you're out, right? So they throw him overboard. Now, watch this, watch this. Here's what's happened. At this point, he's running from God. He's so discouraged, depressed, that he's become suicidal. He's just like, God, just, I'm done. Forget it. I'm just going to let these guys throw me overboard. I'm done. I'm dead. That's, Jonah. That's his heart right now. This is a man who talked to God. This is a man who walked in that anointing of Acts 2.17. If you will, this man was is full of the presence of God, and yet he became discouraged, despondent, depressed, disconnected. Remember, isolation, disconnection always takes you, ends up in a place of death. So you throw him overboard, and what happens? What happens? Fish comes. Now, at the end of chapter 1 of Jonah, it says a fish comes to swallow him that God had prepared beforehand. Right? Romans 5 says that when, when we were in our sin, God sent his son. Yeah. Right? In other words, when we thought nothing was happening, something was happening. Yeah. 
When my dad is pray, yelling that prayer on the, on the deck of that ship, he, he, is, he, he just is thinking of that. But he doesn't know his mom's praying. He doesn't know other people are praying. He, he, and then he's got that four years gap. And God was already working. God put him in a, in a construction company with a Christian foreman. When he thought nothing was happening, what? Something was happening. And so God prepared this fish. The fish swallowed him. He's in the fish for three days. You know, it's a type and a shadow of Christ. And it's, a, it's great. Because at, uh, at the end of chapter uh, 1, it says he's in the fish for three days. And at the start of chapter 2, it says, and then Jonah prayed. Yeah. Now think about this. He's in the fish for how many days? And then what did he do? Like, what did he do the first day? <laughs> right? Like the first day he's like, hey, God says, you want to talk? No, 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 I got this. Right? No, 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 I got an idea. What do you do the second day? You want to talk? No, 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 I got another idea. Turn to the guy, turn to the guy next to you and just say, just like you, man. Just like, just like you. And then finally, the third day, what did he do? So my friend Andrew, one time we were praying over something. He goes, well, I guess it's come to this. We're going to have to pray. <laughs> praying over business. Thing. Oh, I guess we're going to have to pray. So uh, it, says, it says he prayed. And, and watch this. It says the fish spit him up right there in Nineveh. Now watch this little thing. The fish, when I was a kid, man, in church, what I was taught was don't be Jonah. Don't mess up. Don't deny God. Don't go your own way because God will get you. It's in a fish. Swallow your butt. Right? Don't be a Jonah. I mean, we had songs about it, man. Don't be a Jonah. Swallowed by the world. And, uh, man, as I began to grow in my faith in Christ, I realized that that fish wasn't God's judgment. It was God's mercy. That God sent that fish to save his life because he was suicidal. And God sent a fish as his mercy and then turned around and put him right back into his destiny. That's his grace. Spit him up on the shore. And he goes back and he fulfills his destiny. He goes to Nineveh. The city's saved. See, he's, he, was a, he was messed up, disqualified. If anybody was ever going to be disqualified, it would be Jonah. And yet God, in his mercy, rescued him, turned him around, and put him right back into his destiny. And that, my brothers, is your story and my story today. Amen? God, you are not disqualified. All right, second story, Mark 5, Mark 5. All right, Pastor Aaron, you got to help me with this one. you got to help me with this one. Mark chapter 5. That's in the, in the second covenant in uh, what, they call, what we call the New Testament. Second covenant, Mark 5. All right, Pastor Aaron, come on up, come on up. Help me out here. All right, put the notes down, put the notes down. You're not going to be able to. It's like a visual thing. Yes. Yeah, okay, watch this, watch this. So, uh, this is a demon possessed guy. So, I couldn't think of anybody better. Thank <laughs> so, you. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> it's like, I'm looking around, who would be a really good demon possessed guy? Yeah. Ah, let's use Aaron. Yeah. All right, watch this, watch this. So, Mark 5 is, uh, is a story of this guy who's demon possessed. And, uh, 
it says that it says he's wandering through a cemetery. In fact, the Bible says uh, in the story, true story, it says that it says he's been pushed out of the village. Like they don't want him in there. Like he's in the margins. He's been disqualified by culture. His neighbors go, dude. Now, this is the last guy we're going to vote in as the youth pastor, right? Like this guy is disqualified. And so he's, he's in agony. And it says he's walking through the cemetery outside the town screaming and crying. It's pretty good. See, that's it's good. And tearing his clothes. No, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> he goes like, no, no, my wife picked this out. Yeah, yeah, I'd be in so much trouble. All right. So now, stay over here. Stay over here. Okay. So, uh, so now, here's what happens. At the end of chapter 4, it says that Jesus was in front of a huge crowd of people. All right? And then he says to his disciples, he goes, hey, guys, we got to leave. Now, the Bible says that, and Jesus said, I only do what the Father shows me to do. So if you want to know the personality, character, and, and discipline of our Father, you look at the life of Jesus. So that's, that's not just a representation of God. That's God's will, right? So you watch the life of Jesus Christ, and you see who our Father God is. So now he's in front of all these people. He's preaching. He's having a great great event, and he turns to his men and goes, hey, we got to go. They're like, dude, really? You know, I mean, the radio news is showing up. Fox is going to cover this. <laughs> CNN wouldn't cover it, but, you know. <laughs> so, and they go, no, 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 we're going to leave. And he gets in the boat. Now watch this. What's this, guy, what's this guy doing over here? Huh? Wandering, in agony, screaming and crying. It's <laughs> pretty good. It's almost too good. So, so watch this. So Jesus gets in the boat because God hears the cry of a man. Ah! Yeah, but yeah. So, and watch this. What kind of prayer is that? Let me ask you something. What kind of prayer is this? Right. Did he have the right words? Huh? Did he have the, was he in the right position? Was he in the... I mean, was he, had he lived uh, in a holy space for at least a couple hours? Right? No. He's just crying, man. And God heard that prayer. God hears your prayer. You don't have to have the right words. You don't have to have all these things together. All these little, you know, litany of like one through five that you can just, just God heard his prayer. Jesus gets in a boat, goes through a storm, across a lake. And, and where does Jesus land? Watch this. If you've ever been there, it's, it's a little curved. You don't quite see the other shore from the one side. And as he's crossing this lake, you know, as you cross and he's going through a storm, he doesn't land at the dock or the city. Where did he land? Right where this man was. God knows where you are. Yeah. Amen. He's never lost track of you. Right. That's why when we prayed over your sons and daughters, we know the Father knows where they are, who they are, what's happening. God knew right where he was. Jesus lands right there. God knows where you are. Never lost track of you. He lands, and then, and then the guy comes out, and he's yelling and screaming. Yeah, go, go ahead. Okay, good. Okay, we're going to get this man set free. So Jesus, 
Now watch this. It says that Jesus speaks even from far away and commands the demons to be silent. Jesus always took authority over the enemy. John 14, 12 says the same things that Jesus did, you and I can do. You have within you the power and anointing of the Holy Spirit as a follower of Jesus Christ, imbued by his presence, to speak life into every situation, to speak light into every place of darkness, and to take authority over the enemy. Jesus always took authority. Then, then he speaks to the man, so what's your, what's your name? And, and this man's got an identity issue, all right? So my name, my name is Legion. Remember, Christ is who gives us our identity. Identity always comes from a father. So when we get grafted in, that father gives us our identity through Christ. Identity is important because your definition produces your decisions. Right? Decisions produce your destiny. So that's why, that's why thinking in your thought life, Romans 12, 2, that says if you want to change your life, you change your thinking so that you'll follow the plan of God and the will of God, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Now, uh, the beauty of that, and, and the issue there is that's why pornography is such an issue. It's not just the visual. It's not just that moment or, or uh, the sin that may happen out of that. It's that, that it fogs your thinking. That's, that's, it, it's not just a momentary thing. It's a thing that goes with you. And that's why when you, when you think, well, I could just put it in this little compartment, shut the door, keep that in there. That's the issue is it's fogging your thinking. It's changing your ability to have godly wisdom, right? And, and so that's the issue with those things or any kind of addictive thing that the enemy's trying to put or place into our lives. So here's this man. God speak, Jesus speaks authority over him. And then, and then he pff, calms. And then he says to the demons, this is so cool. He says, uh, yeah, I'm going to cast you guys out. And they say, where, where, are you going to, where are you going to send us? This is a really funny story. I love this. Because they go, hey, where are we going to go? You know, and he, Jesus goes, well, where do you want to go? Like this negotiation thing is hilarious, right? And they say, well, how about those pigs? There's like 2,000 pigs, okay? All right, so give me a couple guys. Okay, here we go. You guys match. You look like you should be in business together. It's great. All right, so now we got these two. You stand over here. So now we got these two guys taking care of these pigs. I don't know what that is. Is it a pig herder? Is that what it is? Pig, pig guy. Farmer. Okay, great. So we have these two farmers. They got their, they got their pig sticks or something. I don't know. What do you, you guys like a thing? They take it. 2,000 pigs. And all of a sudden, Jesus speaks, and these demons come over, and there's these 2,000 pigs, right? And all of a sudden, there they go. And they go over a cliff to their death. All 2,000 of them. That's a bad day yeah. in business. <laughs> I've always laughed, but I always thought, when these guys got home and their wife goes, hey, how was work today? They're like, uh, all our pigs died. Really? What happened? I don't know. Some guy named Jesus killed all our pigs. I want to fix this for a second real quick because as a business person, most of my life, I had a real problem with this. I was like, hey, good for this guy. Bummer for these guys, right? Lost our pigs. Lost our pigs. This is a Roman era, and in that culture, you didn't own your own business. So these would have been Roman pigs. Jewish guy kills a bunch of Roman pigs. I think that's kind of cool. And in that local culture, those pigs, many of them would have been used as sacrifices to the gods in that local culture. So what Jesus did was basically say, 
hey, you think your gods are so tough, watch this. We kill all their pigs. Does that help you with some of the business guys? A little bit better? So these guys are on the clock anyway. They're like, all right, this is great. In just a couple weeks, they'll probably give us some more pigs to take care of. Thank you, guys. All right, good. Good pig herding. All right, back. Don't go anywhere. Watch this. So now what happens is this. Is this man, it says, the Bible says he's totally in his right mind. And people come out, and he had, been, he had torn his clothes, and they come out, and he's fully clothed. Now, they didn't even write this in here, but I believe the reason he's fully clothed is because that's what disciples do. That's what we do. That's our, they didn't even have to say it because he's fully clothed because the disciples gave him their clothing. And then it says, the man says to Jesus, hey, I want to go with you. Yeah. I want to go with you. And Jesus says, no, no, no. Now think about this for a second with me. Come on up, uh, Adam. Uh, and Jesus says, right this, he says, no, don't follow me, but go tell everybody what's happened. Yeah. Go tell everybody what's happened. Now, this is really awesome. Because here, here's a guy that is the biggest loser in the world. Here's a man fully demon-possessed. He's fully healed, renewed in his mind by Jesus Christ. And Jesus says to him, well, go tell everybody what happened. He doesn't, he doesn't have, you know, three points in a poem. He doesn't have, uh, he doesn't have a slideshow. He doesn't have any, He just got what happened to him. Yeah. That's all he's got. Yeah. Right? That's, and, that's, and, he, and Jesus says he's fully armed. Amen. Now he's messed up. I met Jesus, my life changed. Yeah. Amen. That's the story. And that's all the story we need. So it says that he went to the Decapolis. It says he, that God sent, Jesus sent him out. It says, go. And it says he went to the ten cities. And the ten cities is the Decapolis. And, and these cities are there still today. Some of them are still operating. Damascus was at the top. And at the bottom was a place called Philadelphia. And so these ten cities, they had been built in the Greek era. Now they were Roman, the Greco-Roman era. So here's these ten cities east of Israel, okay? So now those 10 cities, there they are. And what happens now is there's a guy named Josephus that in 100 AD writes a whole history of this era. Now this miracle, let's just, for sake of, uh, just to make it easy math, let's say this happened in 30 AD. Everybody good with that? Are we good with that, Pastor Robert? We good? Okay. So here's 30 AD, Jesus' miracle, Bible says that, uh, and what we know in history is in around 70 AD, Jerusalem is destroyed. So how many years is that? Somebody help me out. 40 years, okay. So 40 years later, Josephus writes in the history about this era. He says, in 70 AD, when Jerusalem is destroyed and the followers of Christ, they put all the people of the way, had to run for their lives from Israel and they were being persecuted and killed and, and, and turmoil and chaos is happening. Josephus writes, he said, the followers of Christ found refuge, churches, businesses, places to live as they ran for their lives east because west was the ocean. It says they found that in the 10 cities called the Decapolis. So 40 years, watch this. So 40 years after this man goes, 
under the order of Christ, and we know some disciples had also gone. There were churches in every one of those cities. And every single one of those cities became refuge for the followers of Christ. So what Jesus did is put into motion what the people he were followers of him would need 40 years later. When you think nothing is happening, something is happening. See, what a man does in life becomes history, but what he puts into motion becomes legacy. And what you put into motion with your life today, maybe, maybe, 40 years from now, 40 years from now, would be a little boy walking this aisle, a little eight-year-old guy coming down here, giving his life to Jesus Christ because you made a decision today. Because you made a choice about how you're going to raise your family. Because you made a choice about how you're going to impact the life of your grandkids. But here's the issue. Everybody stand up with me right now. Here's the issue. Here's, here's Jonah. Here's the demon guy. I guess now we got to call him the evangelist. Right. Cleaned up. Nice shirt his wife picked out. It's true, though. It's, yeah, I know that's true. Watch this. And, and all of us would have said about this man, he's disqualified. In fact, because his past was so sordid and because they, they tried to put chains around him and ropes around him, everybody knew who he was. And that guy, everybody looked at him and go, that guy? People would say about him, nah, nah, where's he going? To capitalist? Yeah, yeah, he'll never do anything. What will he ever do in his life? See, and that's what culture in the world try to put on you and me. Some of us have had things happen in our lives. Some of us have been places that, that they keep coming up in our memory and disqualify us. And some of us, how many of us should have got out of that car about a mile before we got somewhere? Come on. And uh, there's a disqualification that happens in our thinking because we think, well, I don't really measure up. I could never do what that guy does or I couldn't be like that. And it's a lie from the enemy. It's a lie from the enemy. John 10.10 says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And I believe a lot of what he's trying to steal, kill, and destroy is your dream and your destiny and who God says you are and who he designed you to be and destined you to be and who you desire to be. When uh, we got ministry in over 100 nations around the world, and I was down in Peru at our offices in Lima and talking with uh, some guys, and they told me this story about the Andes, and they said it's a apocryphal story, but brings a point about the farmer that was up in the uh, the Andes, and the weather began to change. He's up in the mountains, began to change. He wasn't ready for it. You know. and the weather began to change, and starting to get cold, and all of a sudden snow's coming in. And he starts to head down, and over in the corner, he sees a snake, and the snake goes, Psst, hey. What? He goes, Psst. He says, hey. He says, uh, man, I need to get off this mountain. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to die in this weather. And the man says, uh, the farmer says, no, 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 you're a poisonous snake. I'm not helping you. And the snake says, no, 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 it'll be okay, it'll be okay. Just get me off here. I'm going to die. No, I'm not helping you. He says, listen, nothing will happen. Just Help me out. Get me down the mountain. You let me go. Just part of ways. So the man picks him up, puts him in his jacket, 
carries him down the mountain, begins to put him down, bam, just as he's putting him down, snake bites him on the hand. Man looks at his hand, looks at the snake, realizes he's about to die. Looks at the snake and says, hey, I thought you said nothing would happen. Snake looked at the man and said, you knew I was a snake when you picked me up. Some of us have picked up the snake, got bitten, and we just feel like, you know what? I'm never going to measure up. Let me, let me just summate this with this. The snake always lies. The snake always lies. Snake always lies. So what the enemy has told you about not measuring up and not becoming the man you desire to be in, and never quite getting to that thing, and you're just, you're just stuck here, and that's where you're going to be. I want to pray over that right now. Anointing and power of God's in this place. There have been men who have for weeks have been praying over this moment right now for you. For you. Personal. God's personal with you. Front to back, side to side. Every single man, individually, personally. Holy Spirit is ministering to you right now. If, if you know, if fear or negativity have just been kicking your butt, just raise your hand. You've just been feeling like that, man, I just don't, I just don't measure up. In fact, come on, come on up here. Come on up here. I'll tell you what, the way to beat fear, the opposite of fear, is to start. Just come up. Line up right here. Pastor's going to come up. We're going to pray with you guys. Just line up across here. Just right, right here. Just stay standing. Come on up. Pastor Robert and other pastors are here. Pastor Dave, if you come up, we're going to lay hands on these guys and pray for them. And everybody who's standing back here, your brothers, these are your brothers up here. I want you to reach out a hand towards them. Pastor Aaron, if you just, now that you're set free, you pray for some of these guys. Let's line up across here. In fact, if you got a friend up here, come up, put a hand on his shoulder. I'm going to pray for these guys. Because the enemy's trying to lie to you. The enemy's trying to take you out of your destiny. The enemy's trying to use, use every single weapon in his arsenal to try to tell you you don't measure up, you're disqualified, you don't qualify. And we're going to pray for you right now. The power and anointing of God is here right now. The Bible says, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, put that up on the screen. If anyone is in Christ, he is what? A new creation. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away and all things have become new. That starts in your heart because your hands end up doing what's in your heart. Proverbs 4 says, guard your heart because out of your heart comes your life. So your hands will do what you put in your heart. So right now, what we're going to do is into our heart, we're receiving the refreshing, the renewal, and the life of Jesus Christ. If you came down here to be prayed for, just raise your hand. Raise your hand right now, keep it up, keep it up. As a point of contact and faith, that right now as we pray, the Holy Spirit is anointing you, speaking life in you. Right now, Father, in the name of Jesus, come on, pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we receive the power and anointing of your Holy Spirit. Right now in this place, I speak life over every man. Father, as Ezekiel prayed life over dead bones, I speak life over dead dreams, I speak life over negativity, I speak the power of God. We rebuke the enemy over every single man standing here right now. That, Father, this word is a light in their path and a light in their heart. Father, let them be filled with your life, set free by the power of God. 
Come on, receive the anointing of God. Pastors, pray over these men. Lay hands on them. Come on, men, pray for these guys. Father, you are, you are, brother, you are set free in the name of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 5.17 is alive today. You are a new creation. You're not the old man. You are not disqualified. Even while you were here today, things have been happening. God put things in order and in motion. Father, in the name of Jesus, by the power and anointing of your Holy Spirit, I speak life over my brothers. Come on, keep praying over it. Say, Father, forgive me of my mistakes. Forgive me of my sins. But I thank you for new life in Jesus Christ. I thank you that Jesus paid the price on the cross, but he rose from the grave. I thank you for the mercy of the cross and the grace of the cave. I thank you of the, of the, of the grave. I thank you, Father, in Jesus' name, for the mercy of the fish, but the grace of putting him back in his destiny. I thank you for your mercy and your grace. I thank you, Father, that even when we weren't going after you, you were coming after us. Even when we despised you, you loved us. Even when we were deep in our darkness, you sent Jesus to set us free. I speak life and light over every single man. Come on. Keep praying. Just another few seconds. Jesus. 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 Amen. Hey, every man who came up for prayer, I want you to look at me right now. Uh, here's, what, here's what I'd like to uh, counsel you to do right now. First of all, you need to be in a band of brothers. You need friends, you need brothers. You need somebody you can call when you're headed to the hospital. You need somebody who calls you. You need to be in a band of brothers, okay? So you need to be connected. So wherever that is, if you're here at this church or at the church you attend, make sure that you get connected with a group of men. Uh, secondly, what, I, what I'd advise you to do in counsel would be to write down this date, put it in your phone, put it on a piece of paper, something you actually keep. Put this date on there and just mark it as a day I made a choice and a decision. That I was going to leave that stuff, that disqualification, that I was going to trust God and what his word says about me. And then what I do is, is uh, we have some materials here, Maximize Manhood. Uh, there's a book, this is a devotional book called Maximize Life. It's a six-week devotional. Uh, the book Never Quit, my dad read, uh, wrote. And get these things in your heart. And then uh, my wife's husband wrote a really good book. Uh, well, you don't want to talk about your own stuff, you know, like, hey, I wrote this book, it's like my wife's husband wrote this book, it's good. Uh, we've got them out there. And whatever it is, pastors, uh, I mean, online, at, at basically, Pastor Dave, I know he's got it, uh, Crossroads here at Jewel City, online are messages and sermons. So when you're getting your car, you know, sports talk and all this stuff, those guys don't know what they're talking about anyway. We're listening to the sports talk and they go, yeah, what should have happened in the game, you know? Yeah, they should have done this. Well, they should have done that. Well, they didn't, and that's the final score. Or before the game, you're going, well, you know, what do you think is going to happen this week? Well, I think what they're going to do is come out in a wing tee. Well, they haven't run that in 42 years. I know, but I think they're going to surprise them. It's like, right? They don't know. You know who knows? God knows. 
So take that message, get it on your phone and your Bluetooth, whatever you got, stick it in that. If you still got cassettes, I don't know. Does anybody have cassettes? Uh, I think my truck does. I think my truck still has a cassette player. So uh, Chevy, Chevy trucks? Anybody Chevy? Chevy? Ford, where's the Ford guys? Oh, they all came up for prayer. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Don't go, don't go there. I know you got a ram, go ram, you know, okay. So, so here's the deal. Just get that stuff, put it in your heart, begin to, to play it. Uh, you, want, you want to change stuff in your home, in your house? Change the music. Come on, somebody. You paying the rent? Yeah, it's my music. I pay the rent. Right? Come on, somebody. You want to change the atmosphere? Change you first. Your heart. That changed the atmosphere right there. So write these things down. Begin to, begin to listen to these things. Take some of these materials. Get them in your heart and spirit. And because it will help you begin to live out. Because what you put in your heart, Psalm 119, verse 11. Your word I've put in my heart, hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. So that word becomes protection. You know, if you've got an addiction issue, that, that word becomes protection. And your band of brothers becomes protection. Because you can call the guy and say, hey, dude. I'm, uh, I'm a little jacked up right now, <laughs> you know, need a little prayer, and can I come over, right? You, that's why you need those guys. You need those guys who, uh, who you, need, uh, you need somebody that your wife can call. Say, hey, man, can you, can you get with uh, Jarrell? Because he's, uh, can you get with Bill right now? That's why you need that. You need, we need that protection. So write those things down. Get this stuff in your heart. And begin to live as, uh, as you know you want to live, as you know what's in your heart. Put your hand on the shoulder of a man next to you all around the room, all across the room. And uh, somebody's going to come up and close. But I want us to pray for each other. Pray for the decision that that man just made. No matter where you are in the place, there's something that's flipped in your heart, something happened, the Holy Spirit was at work. And I want you to just pray over each other. Come on. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray over the man whose shoulder we touch. I thank you for my brother. I bless him in the name of Jesus. And Father, on this day, this Saturday morning, as you have ministered to his spirit, I pray, Father, you would guard it in his mind. Put it deep within him that he would become the man you designed him to be, the man he desires to be, and the man you destined him to be. Father, I thank you we're no longer the men we used to be. We're a new creation. All things have passed away. All things have become new. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, we pray these things. To the glory of the Father, by the name of Jesus, in the empowering presence of your Holy Spirit, may it be so. And we say, amen, amen, amen. Give a high five to about 10 guys. Come on. Tell them you're a champion. You're a champion, brother. Thank you for listening to the Jewel City Podcast. You can join us in person Sundays at 10 a.m. or 6 p.m. We have something for all people and all ages. Or join our live stream at 10 a.m. 